We are going to do a little bit of an overview of this, and uh, just to let you know, since I've been here, I've actually done three sermons from Colossians chapter 3, so if you want to do a deep dive, you can go back and see the one at the end of June, the one at the end of August, and the one in October 1st, and right in that area, I've done three sermons on Colossians chapter 3. So we won't go that deep today. We're going to kind of broadly brush over this section uh, because it is quite large, and um, I want to start, though, by talking about, in case you didn't hear, something happened at the Oscars uh, last week. Uh, I don't know who couldn't have heard, unless you've been stranded on a desert island over the last week, you may not have heard, that uh, Will Smith, who is an actor, walked onto the stage and slapped Chris Rock, who's a comedian, after he made a joke about his wife's hair. I wonder, what is Will Smith's philosophy of life. You know, how is he trying to control the, the passions that he has in his life? And is that working for him right now? There's a part of me that thinks maybe it's not working for him. Then I have to think about myself and I go, wow, I've done some really stupid things that I regret uh, in my lifetime. And yet I claim to have a philosophy, uh, an overarching philosophy and a power source even working within me that we call the Holy Spirit, and yet sometimes I don't access that power that I know that I have access to. And why is that? So today I hope to address that. We're going we're gonna to talk about some of these things. So let me pray, and we're going to just jump into our passage. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the Lord's day that we can come together one day out of seven uh, and recalibrate our hearts towards you. Lord, um, would you teach us now by your word and by your Holy Spirit even as we, as we hear and absorb the Word of God, that it would change our lives, that we would not just be hearers, but, but that this would make a real change as we encounter you, and as well as we encounter you in the Lord's table. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So our first point today is that self-made religion is powerless. Self-made religion is powerless. If you've been with us in this series, BP and as well as, as John last week talked about the fact that uh, there are a, there's a couple different groups that are trying to influence the church in Colossae. And one of those groups, uh, we're, I'm going to call all of this like Christ plus. They are saying you can follow Christ, but you just, that's going to be part of what you're doing. And we think it's Jesus plus something else. And the first group of those are the syncretists. They're, they were pushing syncretism, saying Jesus is just one among the many gods that they worshiped in Colossae. And so we see that group uh, trying to influence the church. Then we also have what we call the Judaizers. Now, Judaizers were, were Christians who, after uh, they had been following the Old Testament law, they were Jewish by heritage, and they felt like Jesus was great, but they really couldn't step away from the Old Testament laws and the different things like circumcision and festivals and holy days and the dietary laws that were there. They felt like you had to kind of do all of those as well. They couldn't really walk away from that. And so these two groups you see him refer to in this whole second part of uh, Colossians 2. And he's mentioning those. He's even mentioning a third one who kind of felt like you had to have a higher level, more like a Gnostic view, which says it's Jesus, but you got to be at the highest plane. Like I've had these visions of angels and, and trying to inject that into what they were saying. And we see Paul saying, no, really what you need is Christ. You don't need any of these 
other things. Now, are we facing similar pressures like that today? We can, we can study and look at, at the pressures they were facing back 2,000 years ago, but we say, how does that affect me? Do I feel that kind of pressure? Yet look at verse 16, let no one pass judgment on you. Who among us has not felt judged in the last couple of years, right? Hey, let's wear a mask. Let's not wear a mask. Let's get vaccinated. Let's not get vaccinated. Should I walk in this uh, parade about social justice, this, this thing that's happening in our city, or should I not? Uh, should I drive an electric car or not? Should I post that or not? All of these things. Uh, should I eat meat? If I use a plastic straw, am I really ruining the ocean if I use a plastic straw? Right? Aren't these the kind of the new things that we want to constantly add? These are the new virtues of our society right now. Which side are we on in these different areas? We have invested in these virtues and we want to signal about it. That's why we go, should I post about this or not? Should I tell everybody which camp I'm in? How am I going to navigate these waters? And so it's hard for us. And yet, at the end of this passage, he says haven't, that a lot of these things that we're worried about are perishing or passing away. Everything I just mentioned is not, gonna, we're not, is not really going to matter in the new heavens and new earth. These things aren't eternal. And yet we can get so tied up in them, can't we? When you look at verse 18, he says, let no one disqualify you. Because these people who claim to have this higher knowledge were saying, you can't listen to them. You need to listen to me. I didn't even know that cancel culture existed in the first century. But clearly it does. If you don't believe the way I believe, which of course is the right way, then you don't have a right to post or be on this platform or work here or exist or preach. Right? We face some of these same things today. And yet, when you get to the end of this idea of this self-made religion that we have, which is very postmodern, by the way, a lot of us like to pick and choose different things that we like or don't like, even from within the Bible, right? I might take some mysticism over here. I might take something over there and add a little Jesus and kind of put and build a Christ and a religion that I like, that feels good to me. But what does he say in verse 23? He says, these things this self-made religion, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. And I love this line, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If we invest in these things, he's saying, they're going to let us down. And that leads me to my second point, which is that true power comes in dying to the world and in living for Christ. Dying to the world and living for Christ. Let's look at chapter 3 in the first three verses. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died. We have died to this world. Over and over again, you see this kind of language that we died with Christ and we are raised to new life and we are supposed to be setting our mind now on what God wants us to do. We're supposed to be living for him and no longer for ourselves. Uh, there's a scene 
We're going to watch a little clip now from one of my favorite movies, Count of Monte Cristo. And in this scene, Dante's is, uh, is the hero. He has been in prison uh, for many, many years, and he has just escaped, and he's, he swam from this island prison to the beach only to be confronted by a band of smugglers, and he has to do a knife fight for his life. And uh, that's where we pick up as he's talking to the captain of this ship. Let's see this clip. So Jacoba, he is redeemed, right? He is, he's facing sure death. And in this story, right, he, his life is spared. And what does he do? He dedicates his life to no longer living for himself, but living for Dante's or Zatara, as he's called in that. And I love that he says, I'm your man. If you watch the rest of that movie, you will see that he does stick by him. He is his man. He sticks with him through all of the trials, and he is completely dedicated to live for him and not for himself. That's the kind of attitude that we're supposed to have after having been redeemed by Christ, is that now we are dead to the world and we live for him. We see him reflect this in Colossians 2 verse 20 when he says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why do you submit to its regulations as if you were still alive to the world? These are this these types of things, he says, don't taste, don't touch. The asceticism, the different, the different things that they have the appearance, again, of wisdom, but they really don't have the power. And yet, we still want to submit ourselves to these things. But we are not really his man anymore. That doesn't have the power over us anymore. You see, the world is still looking for answers to life's questions, but we're not bound to those systems. They have the appearance of wisdom but they really don't have any power. The thing is, it's easy to say this and say, hey, we're dead to the world now. There you go. Go out and live your life. It's easy to say, but it, it's much harder to do. How do we do this? That's, that's really the important question. In Luke 9, Jesus says this. He said to all, if any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, for us to truly die to ourselves and die to this world, we're going to have to do it over and over and over again. We're going to have to do it daily. And that leads me to my third point today, which is true change. What does true change really look like? I'm going to get really practical here. The first thing I want us to think about and focus on is the fact that God is actually working in our lives, right? We can be depressed and discouraged and say, am I really dead to this world, and and I want you to know that God is working in us. In verse 9 of Colossians 3, he says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator, after the image of its creator. It is being renewed. It's passive. God is working in us. We see this same idea reflected in Philippians 2, for it is God who works in you, both to will and and to work according to his good pleasure. We can take confidence knowing God is working in us to shape us into his image. I love, I was talking with the foundations class this last week, and I love this illustration of Michelangelo, who when he would see a block of stone or of, of marble, he would say, I see there's a figure trapped inside, and I'm going to release that figure. He could almost see uh, the different sculpture inside, And he said, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. 
I love that imagery because I think of myself as being trapped in a block of stone that is my sinful self and my sinful nature, and that God, day in and day out, by the circumstances in my life, by the trials, the temptations, my weaknesses, the way he's working through people who come around me and alongside me, each time he does that, I feel like the chisel and the hammer is taking another blow, and that part of me, that old part of me, is flying away, and this beautiful figure in the image of Christ is being revealed day after day as he is working in me. We call that sanctification. God is working on our behalf. But this passage also talks about the fact that we work, and that's where I want to spend most of the time. We are supposed to, according to the, when you read all of Colossians 3 through 15, he says, put to death, put these things away, put off. He's saying, put on, bear, forgive, let peace rule in your hearts. All of these are very active verbs. We're supposed to put off the bad things in our life. We're supposed to put on the good things, and it's very active. But how do we do these things? We try and try, and if we do this in our own strength, sometimes we'll get lucky. Sometimes we'll be able to do it. But so often, when we try to put off the bad things or put on the good in our own lives, in our own strength, we fail, right? We white-knuckle it, and we do our best, but we fail And part of this is because we really, we have access to the Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit when you become a believer, but we don't appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit more or less in different ways, and there's different factors. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit, but we're not always filled. So how do we do that? How do we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to uh, share with you a little cliff note version of a talk that my old pastor did, Randy Pope, who is, uh, was the pastor, founding pastor at Perimeter Church. And he has a talk about this, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can actually find it on randypope.org. He has a little MP3, and it's about 20 minutes long. But I'm going to share just the short version of this uh, for our sake and as we, as we go through this. So we're going to go and look, take a deep dive into Romans 6 just for a minute. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and it will be on the screen So let me read some from Romans 6, and we're going to talk about how we can appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit. Starting in verse 1 of Romans chapter 6, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? See, he's addressing the very issue that we're talking about. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, in him by baptism into his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Notice how this is all the same kind of language that we used last week when he was talking about circumcision and comparing it to baptism. It's almost like Paul wrote both of these passages, which he did. So you can tell that he's talking about the same themes that are going on here. And so the first part of being filled with the Spirit is what do you know to be true? What do you know to be true? So he says again in verse 6, We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. He's saying this is what we know. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died, 
with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Again, he says in verse 9, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him, for the death that he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So the first part of this is to, what do we know to be true? We have to think about that as we pray, as we walk, each morning as we get up. What do I know is true about my position in Christ? That I am dead to the world, and that because of that, I sin no longer has a hold on me. Now, verse 11, the second part is, we're supposed to consider. Look at verse 11 and 12. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Now, what does it mean to consider? Randy Pope describes it this way. He says, bring it back into the reality of my thinking. You consider what you already know. You're making it active. You're saying, I know that I'm dead to sin, but I need to pull it to the forefront of my mind. I need to consider the fact that I am dead to sin and pull that forward. And then the final step of this, starting in 13, is to present, to present the members of our bodies to God. He says this in verse 13, do not present your members as sin to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Okay, so we're supposed to know, know what is true. We're supposed to consider it, to bring it to the forefront of our mind. And then we present the members of our body. What are those? That is my eyes. That is my mind, my heart. It's my ears. Those are the members of my body that I present to God. And I say, God, use these to glorify you and bring glory to you in my life today. So what does this look like? Let's go, let's go through just a couple of things. To know, consider, and present. Maybe for me, uh, lust of the eyes might be something that I, that I struggle with. And if I see myself even, even before I get up, I can say, Lord, I know that you have set me free from sin. Help me to consider and know that I am free of this. And would you take my eyes, I present my eyes to you today, that my eyes will not look lustfully at another woman. And that's what it looks like. You can do that before you start your day. You can do it in the moment. Lord, I know what's true. Help me to consider this. Maybe you have a problem with anger. Maybe there's somebody at work that just makes you crazy. And every time you're around them, you lose it. You don't want to. You've tried on your own over and over again not to lose it. And now you need to say, Lord, I know that I'm not a slave that to my emotions and to the things that are happening. I must consider the fact that you have set me free and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will help me to do that. I present to you right now my heart. I present to you my mouth so that the things that I say will be glorifying and honoring to you. Will you, through the power of your spirit, use my speech today to bless this person and honor them so that I'm not a slave to my emotions in this situation? You see, this is part of this key to being filled with the Holy Spirit. What do I know to be true? How do I consider that and bring that to the forefront of my mind? And then do I present the members of my body to God to be used by him to make that happen? Randy uses another illustration. He says it's kind of like a bike. He, he saw uh, one of the employees of Perimeter would bike in from like five miles away to work, and he thought, man, that's pretty impressive that you're able to do that. 
And the guy said, well, it's not as impressive if you really look closely at my bike. And basically, he had a bike that had a little electric motor on the back. And he said, whenever I hit the hills, I just click that in there and zip right up the hills, and it's no problem. And this is the way, really, for us, in a lot of ways, as we move through life and in and out of life, how are we appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit when we get to the hills of life that are difficult, where we fail, where when we try and try, we're not going to be able to do it in our own strength. But when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and we present our members of our body to him and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. You're the only one who can do this through me. It's like clicking in on that electric motor and he helps us to go right up and down the hills of life that we have to face. So if you're here today and uh, maybe you don't know Christ, um, maybe you have spent a lot of time investigating different things that had the appearance of wisdom, but they've really left you wanting, right? They, they are not going to really achieve the things that you're trying to accomplish in this world. Only by dying to this world and living to Christ are you going to find true life satisfaction. If that's you today, please come talk to me after the service, or maybe if you came with a friend, ask them about it and say, hey, how do, I, how do I find out more about having a personal relationship with Jesus? Or talk to one of the elders uh, who are going to be serving communion today after the service and say, hey, how, how can I really know who Jesus is? And we would love to tell you more about that. And if you're here as a believer and you feel like you haven't really been living in victory, uh, that you've been trying so hard to pedal up and down those hills, what would it look like for you this week to walk daily to know, consider, and present your bodies to him. Let's think about that as I, as I pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we love you. Thank you for this message today. Thank you for, for teaching us by your word and by your spirit. Lord, we do need uh, to be filled with the spirit in order to have victory day in and day out in life. And so I pray that you would guide us in that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.